0: It's always exciting for me to talk to a young up and coming talent, especially if they're from the United States. And today we have just that guy, Luke, or as we found out today, Luciano Lamperti joins us today from his training camp in Calpe, Spain with his new team, Sudal Quickstep. Jens, what did you think about that conversation?
1: He absolutely seems to be ready to go, ready for action. It feels like he can't wait to actually prove himself to the team and get his first um, races done. He had an exciting last two weeks with being in Spain, back home for his birthday and back to Spain for another training camp. So, yeah, he is ready to hit some action on the road. He really is coming off
0: an amazing 2023 season. He's ready to dip his feet in the pool of the World Tour. So sit back, relax and enjoy our great conversation with Luke Lamperti. Hello everyone and welcome to Luke Lamperti from Sudal Quickstep. Luke, how you doing?
2: Yeah, really good. Thank you guys for having me on.
0: Man, well, first of all, i i think i have to say happy birthday didn't you just have your 21st birthday
2: i did yeah i just had my 21st birthday uh new year's eve so fun birthday i was actually back back in the u.s as well which made it uh, a little bit more special if i was in europe you can drink since you're 18 but when you're back in the u.s you can uh 21 is a big one so yeah it was nice to be back in the states and have my 21st birthday so yeah thank you
0: so how does it feel to be legal now
2: yeah it's funny because everyone always everyone always asks like oh it's it's big for a lot of people in the U.S., but actually, now that I've been in Europe a few years, it doesn't really change that much for me. Uh, not that I drink a ton anyway, but, yeah, when I'm in the U.S., now I'm legal, so it feels a bit different, I guess. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't change too much where I'm at most of the time. Most of the time in Europe, I don't know if anyone's ever been ID'd in Spain, uh, especially Girona. I think if you can walk up and pay for your beer, I think you're good to buy it, so... <laughs>
1: So I guess then right after your birthday, you had to catch a plane back to Europe, right? Because as I think you are in Europe right now, From where are you talking to us, my friend?
2: Yeah, so I flew back uh, just today, actually, um, straight back to Calpe for camp. So we were in Calpe in December for camp as well, and then straight from, uh, yeah, back to the States for Christmas, New Year's my birthday, so an eventful week and a half back at home, and then. Uh, straight back over to camp now, beginning of January. So, yeah, just got back to uh Calpe in Spain, kind of where everyone's at, either here or Mallorca. So,
0: yeah. So so let's talk about that that December camp. Um, you know, obviously you've been racing and well-supported on some good teams like Lux Cycling and Trinity Racing, but there's nothing like going to your first pro camp, right? I mean, it's, it's a little bit different.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you... You instantly notice the uh, the difference in support and the amount of the amount of staff, I think, in the first place, like you show up and the amount of staff you're trying to remember names and everyone you show up and there's 100 plus people here at camp, which is definitely a big difference from a small development team or a junior team where there's uh, way more riders than there is staff. You know, now we have way more staff than riders and um, yeah, the imp- professional environment and uh, all of that is definitely a big change from the past teams for sure.
1: And how is it when you walk in there, I mean, you're just 21 years old now, or you were 20 when you walked in, in December in the camp, and you sit on the same table with double world champion, Julian Philippe or Remco Evenopoul. Isn't that like a little bit scary? I remember um, my first team camp, I was in the room with um, Chris Boardman, who was then already Olympic champion for the France, you know, yellow jersey. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. Um, how was it for you?
2: Yeah, I think you definitely feel a bit that way. Like you grow up watching those guys on TV and uh, seeing them. And then I think when you show up to camp, yeah, it can be a bit like that. But then I think you realize when you actually sit down and have dinner with them that they're all really nice guys. Like everyone on the team is super nice and all, um, yeah, friendly with everyone and all of that. It's not – they're not intimidating or act big or anything like that. You know, they're all super nice guys and everyone's – yeah, everyone's – once your teammates with them especially, I think they're – yeah. have a lot of respect for you as well just being on the team and everyone knows that uh yeah we're kind of all in it together for a few years so everyone uh yeah super super nice and I had a really nice welcome in December camp so yeah enjoying it so far
0: gosh I remember the first time I went to uh Motorola camp I was rooming with Steve Bauer who was absolutely one of the reasons why I got into cycling in the first place because Alexi Graywall beat him in the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics. And I was so pissed, scared to make any noises, turn on any lights, but he was absolutely the coolest cat. Um, so where is
2: home for you in the U.S. and where are you based out of when you live in in Europe? Yeah, so home for me in the U.S. is Sonoma County, California. Uh, so about one hour north of San Francisco, for those who don't know the area, um, where the wine comes from, Napa, kind of that area, but Santa Rosa. Um, so I grew up there my whole life, uh, since I was young. And then now I'm based during the season out of Girona, uh, Spain. So that's one hour from Barcelona, but, uh, kind of two pretty well-known areas. Girona is super well-known obviously for a lot of, uh, English speakers and American guys. And then yeah, Sonoma County is also quite well-known in the cycling world. Um, so yeah, really, really good areas to ride. Very, very fortunate
1: actually a little bit off cycling um doing my research uh, did you know that um where you're from in uh, sebastopol the inventor of the peanuts of charlie brown lived there how cool is that right i
2: did know yeah yeah. so charlie brown uh is there and then we have uh snoopy's ice rink and all of that yep. from uh Sonoma County, so we do have uh, all of that, yeah, in Sonoma and County. So and on
1: the other side of culture, you have, uh, what's his name? Jerry Garcia, band leader of the Grateful Dead. So ah, yeah. you got the whole yeah. variety there in your little city. Yeah. Only 700,000 people living there. But yeah, pretty not cool too many city, people, but uh,
2: yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool little town for sure.
0: So I um, used to have training camps out in Santa Rosa, and that's actually where I met my wife back in 1992. Um, anyway, the riding out there is phenomenal.
2: Yeah. The riding is really good in the area, that whole area. I mean, you can go any direction kind of, you can go, uh, you can go north towards like geysers or you can go out Coleman Valley towards the coast, uh, all the stuff over towards Napa, like Trinity, uh, spring mountain, I'm sure throw the area and you know, all of that. And so, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of really good training routes.
0: Do you, um, uh, the geysers, I definitely remember that one, but what is your favorite kind of like big, long general endurance loop out there because there's, like you said, you can ride within a, a 360 degree degree area of, of that air of, of Sebastopol of Santa Rosa. What is your like favorite direction to go? Or do you have one?
2: I'd say my favorite, probably if I had to pick one of my favorite loops, I don't know. There's so many. And now that I'm home, even less I have more favorites because I get to do them uh, a lot less than I used to, but I would say King's Ridge is probably my favorite, uh, loop, which is for anyone that's done, uh, levi's Grand fondo in the past that's the one that that does or uh yeah it goes out and then you come down to the coast towards the end of the ride and yeah it's a absolutely beautiful about four hour loop five hour loop but it's uh it's an amazing ride
0: i think i've been a little bit longer than four or five hours when i did it but uh you know young kids (laughs) do it a lot quicker these days
1: and i guess you haven't had a chance yet to find your favorite ride in europe right didn't spend enough time yet here right
2: i'd say yeah i mean in jerome i've spent uh quite a bit of time in Girona. The last two years i've had an apartment now um there so i know kind of all the riding around Girona now for the most part um but as far as the rest of europe i've done quite a few camps in calpe um but you kind of do the the standards in calpe i'd say everyone kind of does the same loops there's nothing too special um and then yeah in Girona, there's also quite a few different options um i'd say rupert loop is probably actually my favorite out to uh rupert, i don't know if you guys are spending time in Girona, but that's probably my favorite Favorite loop there. Um, But yeah, in all of Europe, I haven't spent too, too much time. Not as much time as you guys, anyway, racing around uh, Europe. So hopefully get there, but not yet.
0: Well, Luke, I can't really tell by your first name, but your brother's name being Gianni and your last name's being
2: La Perti. Are you Italian descent? I am, yes. So our family uh, came over. So my great-grandfather came from uh, Italy in 1920-ish, uh, our family moved over. So actually my first name on my passport is Luciano, uh, and my brother's Gianni. Nice. So I go by Luke, but, uh, yeah, my real name is Luciano. So we are Italian, but I'm not super Italian. It's a ways down the line, but, uh, really Italian name. So,
1: and, um, <clears throat> looking back at, um, the Trinity racing team, um, it seemed like they have something good going on there. There's a few guys uh, moving to bigger teams uh, for next year. Um, Paul Mangier to Sudail Quickstep, together with you, right? Mm-hmm. Finley Pickering, Brian Victorious, Lucas Neruca to EF Education Easy Post. What do you think? What made what made it so successful that you have four kids signing up with a bigger team this year?
2: Yeah, I think uh, so. This was my third year on the team in uh, 2023 was in I think over the years it started, uh, like my first year on the team was smaller, but there were still quite a few good guys. We had, uh, Ben Turner, Ben Healy. We had, uh, quite a few guys moving up then that went on to be really successful as well in their first few years. And then, uh, yeah, my second year we had quite a few guys as well. And then this last year, I think, uh, might be the most that the team has turned pro in a year. And I think the team has only grown over its time and gotten more successful as it's, uh, Kind of gotten its feet on the ground. It's a newer development team compared to uh, an action or one of those. It's a bit uh, a bit newer on the scene, but it's been really, really successful. And I think the group of staff that they've had behind the team, um, we've had a lot of good directors over the time that uh, have raced, and I think they've really, uh, yeah, they've really made that difference as well. And then Andrew McQuaid, who runs the team, has also been uh, a big part of that as an agent and helping, helping guys. And, uh, yeah, as far as a development team, I'd say now they're one of the, one of the top development teams in the world. Um, especially for guys who aren't connected to the world tour teams, you have a bit more option then, uh, to go to any team. You of not really locked down to the team that, uh, you're already on. So yeah, I think that's also another benefit to the team, but yeah, the group of guys just this last year was, uh, we had a really, really good season as a team and, a lot of guys winning a lot of different races. And I think, yeah, that was kind of everyone sharing it around a bit and uh, yeah, helped a lot of guys get contracts for next season. But even earlier than that at Lux
0: cycling uh, that was run by one of my childhood heroes as well, Roy Nickman. I mean, you were already racing with Matthew Riccatello, Quinn Simmons, Colby Simmons. I mean, this, is, this is so cool that you guys are kind of, you know, cutting your teeth at these, you know, junior teams, these development teams, these under 23 teams, it must make it a little bit easier making that, that bridge from the under 23s or the juniors into the pro ranks. When you see so many of your, your buddies, your teammates doing it at the same time, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. It helps. I mean, already, yeah. From Lux, the amount of guys from uh, our few years on Lux that are now in the world tour is definitely, it definitely helps seeing those guys race. And then obviously you have a lot of good buddies who are, around in Europe and live in Girona or live around that, uh, you know, so then you have a close knit group of guys and you see them at races and yeah, it's always really nice to see guys from Lux racing or talk to those guys. And then, yeah, the guys from Trinity, like you just have a bigger and bigger network. And I think, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, already the success from Lux and then the national team those years also, uh, a few kids from hot tubes also moving on. And Magnus Sheffield was with us a lot on the national team. He's, uh, with Ineos now, and yeah, there's just a lot of guys who kind of from my age, uh, in kind of the American scene that have moved on and are now pro and guys returning pro young, I'm actually kind of one of the ones who waited a bit longer before, uh, before signing my first contract. And so it's nice to see the other guys do it for a few years, even before, before I turn pro and talk to them and whatever before, before I start. So yeah, it's been really nice.
1: You actually might then run into a situation. Um, I had once, well, in my first year, um, friend of mine, different team taps me. Like he's like, I'm on the white line. He is in the grass, more or less in the gutter. He taps me on my butt. Jens, Jens, Jens. I'm like, look, we're not in the same team. I'll let you in one more time, but please don't do that again tomorrow (laughs) to me. Then after race, I said, listen, I love you. I know you forever, but we're not in the same team. And I have like $5 million worth of salary on my wheel. I I (laughs) can't like my teammates. I cannot let you in anymore right please yeah. don't put me in a situation where i have to say no to you he said yeah of course i understand but i was also desperate he went <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you might run into something like that soon with all the friends you have or you already had a situation like that
2: yeah for sure no we definitely uh yeah you definitely have that where you i mean you always talk to the other uh american guys in races for sure or the other english speakers in races and then yeah of course you always want to I mean, the guys, you know, you're a bit, you have a bit of a soft spot for, I guess you could say, you know, you will let them in if it's not a crucial moment, but then yeah, that's the hard thing, especially, uh, being a sprinter is it's hard when it comes down to the end of a race, you also have to race for yourself. You know, you can't, and with your team, you can't always, uh, let guys in, in a crucial moment if, yeah, if then you lose your team's wheel or whatever it is. So you have to be, uh, you have to be harsh sometimes, but for sure you want to help out the guys, you know, where you can, you know.
0: Well, my first international trip over to Europe was when I was 16, and you know, going back through a little bit of, you know, your history, it seemed like you were about that age when you started traveling over there. Um, in March, you were in Gent-Wevelgem and Peru Bay for the juniors. In May, you were like in a uh, this SPIE international tour, um, the Tour de Vode. I mean, how did you keep up with your high school um, education? when you were taking such long trips over to to Europe
2: yeah for sure that year in 2019 uh we had a really strong group of guys on the national team out of I think like you were saying a lot of the guys that we were racing with then are now uh now pros and yeah we had a really I mean we won get Quinn Simmons won get and then we did Roubaix um and then we went home so that was a four-week trip we went home I did school for Three weeks went to nationals. Went from nationals back over to Paysvode and uh, Axel, and all of those races in Europe. And yeah, keeping up with school at the time, I was doing doing a lot of it um, in Sittard. The national team had a house in Sittard, Netherlands, and I did a lot, a lot of schoolwork sitting there and uh, sitting there and sitting in between races during the week and trying to catch up on schoolwork and reading emails and trying to do it all and trying to join Zooms or whatever it was from uh, from school back at home. And yeah, just trying to get it done. continue to race and do it all because it's during springtime during, uh, during kind of the thick of school. And then I missed, uh, I missed graduation. Uh, I missed high school graduation, but I did graduate uh, out of Cardinal Newman High School in Santa Rosa. So got my diploma and all of that, but I uh, did a lot of school kind of online and emailing teachers. And luckily everyone worked with me, but it was uh, not an easy process for sure.
1: And, um, now you already said that um, you as a sprinter, sometimes you have to race for yourself. I thought that um, all your results last year, they were stage wins, right? Probably most out of a sprint. And now you got Tim Melier in the team. Are you like going to be learning from him? Are you going to be his assistant? Or are they going to send Tim to one race and you to another race? For example, Grand Prix Dena is on your, um, on your race schedule. I believe that's normally ending up in a big bunch sprint not the entire field anymore because there's crosswinds but normally a bigger group so you look at yourself more of being a sprinter or you trying to develop into a one day classics rider i'm sorry there was too many questions in once i'm sorry
2: for that no no we can go through them one by one no worries um yeah i think it's kind of starting from the back i think i will i'm still trying to kind of figure that out a bit uh the next few years of whether I'm going to do more of the pure sprints or whether I'm going to develop into kind of doing the one day. So for now I'll do a bit of both, but as far as the sprints, yeah, uh, for sure. When I'm at races with Tim earlier, for sure, he'll be the leader and I'll learn from him. Um, but our schedules right now are a bit split. Um, so we don't do a whole lot together. And then at the so-called smaller races, um, still a lot higher of level than what I have been doing, but the smaller races I'll be, uh, I'll get some more opportunity to kind of see where I'm at in the sprints and uh, do the sprints in those races. And then, yeah, hopefully jump into some of the one days as well and kind of see where I'm at and learn from the other guys on the team uh, that are the one-day riders like Ask Green and uh, Lampart and these guys and do do the big one-day races kind of below them and hopefully learn what I can from them and kind of see what I develop into. Um, But right now it's hard to say exactly what I'll do. You
0: know, it just seemed like, you know, basically since you started, you spent so much time abroad, but then you would come back and, you know, you're three-time national criterium champion. Did it ever, you know, enter your mind like, hey, you know, I'm obviously really good at criteriums. I'm three-time national champion champion you know, there, there is a crit circuit. We don't have much of a road race program over here anymore, but it does seem like there's a pretty good crit circuit. Um, were you ever, like what, what drove you to spend so much time over in Europe and then just kind of, you know, come back and pop in for the nationals and then go back to Europe. Was it, do you just prefer that
2: level of racing that, that type of racing over in Europe compared to the U S yeah, I've always kind of wanted to do, uh, Yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to kind of go pro since I was a kid and try to race in the world tour and see what I could do. And I think you only really get one chance to go for it. You can't, especially nowadays guys turn pro out of juniors guys do one year under 23 and then turn pro. I think you only have so long, um, to do it. And I've always wanted to chase that while I was younger, especially, and see what I could do. And kind of one thing led to another with Trinity and then, uh, yeah, now I'm where I'm at with, uh, Sudol. So I think that's kind of the dream come true. Of course there is, yeah, the U S crit scene and, uh, it's gotten a lot bigger over the last few years. So I love, I grew up in Northern California racing, a lot of the local crits and road races. So I do love going back to the U S and doing the crits when I can do the crits. And, um, yeah, I absolutely love them, but I would say my favorite, my favorite racing is, uh, over here. So being over here is kind of what I love doing and what I want to do. So as long as I can uh, race over here, I think I will. And yeah, that's just kind of always been, I don't know. I've never really thought about going back to the U S and just racing in the U S in, in the near future anyway.
1: So now that you're in Kalpen in training camp, um, I believe you didn't bring your training, right? You are training on your bike. You will use in the races, right? and yeah. if yes what gears what is it standard gear ratio this year this um days on a bike back then with us it was 53 39 what are you guys using these days you as a sprinter you have a 54 55 chain ring or what is uh, it
2: 54 so it's a 54 40 uh and then an 11 uh 28 or 11 30 in the back depending on the day but uh 54 11 now is what we have with shimano so not mm-hmm. too different similar similar gears but for sure uh for sure the bikes are a bit faster. All disc brakes now, uh, all of that, but yeah, really, uh, really nice bikes now. So like we said, you just turned
0: 21, you're riding for one of the most iconic teams in the Peloton from memory. I can only think of one other American and that was Ian Garrison that, um, he, his time at, uh, Whatever it was, the Quick Step organization, the organization that you are right now, kind of got derailed because of you know the COVID year. Um, I do remember there was two Americans, Chan McRae and Fred Rodriguez, that raced for MAPE, which is kind of the same organization that you have now at at Sudal Quick Step. But um, what what was the main factor for you signing with? with Sudal quick step this year, what, what, what do they have that you want to, to learn from and, and hopefully be successful
2: in? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, their history of developing sprinters and classics riders within the team, uh, goes way back to before my time. I think they've had, uh, a really strong group of classic guys always and a really strong group of sprinters and done a really good job of developing, uh, those riders. And I think that's a lot of it is seeing guys be so successful in the team and come in and be super successful. And, um, that core group of classics guys, as well as I actually did a team camp with the team when I was on Trinity at the end of 2021 here in Calpe in December, I did a camp with the team and, uh, just the environment of the staff and the team and everything that I saw then not even being a part of the team, uh, was something that I really enjoyed and, uh, was really appealing. And then, yeah, as well as I've had the connection now, uh, with Lux, uh, Trinity have all been on specialized and obviously the team as well as on specialized. So having that connection with specialized bicycles, um, being from California and being with them for quite a while as well, um, is also kind of a factor of it, but yeah, there's uh, I think there's a lot of good things with the team. And then, um, actually now that we kind of, the team moves forward in the future, it's a bit, uh, gc as well so there's a bit more opportunity for a younger guy to do some of the classics they don't have that top classics team of seven guys that for sure do all the big classics um, like they have in the past so there's a bit of opportunity for a younger guy like me to do some of the classics next year as well
1: yeah i believe after denar it's uh, Körner brussels Körner on your plan that's already a pretty tough cookie so they throw you right in the deep end my friend <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, there's some, uh... well. but it's good that's the only way to do it my friend get yeah, in there yeah no, get there's a good it.
2: yeah a really good mix of uh high level races as well as uh hopefully some races i can still be competitive in and yeah that's a yeah it's a really uh nice calendar I have for the start of the year
0: you know i know <clears throat> i know that when you're pro you have to be a little bit more serious you know the old saying if you're standing you should be sitting if you're sitting you should be laying down but at such a young age you got to travel the world my friend i mean you were all over the place what was the what was your favorite country to race in and like what was the coolest thing off the bike that you did when you were visiting that country
2: um i'd actually say the coolest race that i've uh i've done is last year in may i went to tour of japan uh and did uh tour of japan for seven days so we went all across Japan and uh, yeah, I'd say that was one of the coolest experiences I've had off the bike as a race. Maybe not the highest quality race or the best race in the world I've ever done, but the organization and uh, just exploring the country and uh, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. And we went from one side all the way to the other, long transfers, but we did one stage that rode up Mount Fuji. So we did a mass start, fourteen uh, k hill climb stage up Mount Fuji, and uh, and then after we spent a few days in Tokyo and yeah, just checking out Tokyo and japan as a whole and just the difference in uh culture was very very cool to be able to explore somewhere like that kind of on the bike as well because you see so many different parts of it versus just going there on on a holiday you wouldn't see too much of it so i think uh we got to see kind of the whole country in a week and then spent a few days in tokyo at the end and yeah it worked out really really well and made for a, a really nice trip actually so that'd be probably my favorite to date
0: And it's always good when you win a couple stages and win the points classification in that race as well. You know, that's a little bonus.
1: That always helps as well, yeah. It makes the trip a bit more fun, (laughs) for sure. So if you're talking about um, these sort of things, what would be then your dream result? If you could choose and pick one day, one race, you want to participate or you want to really perform well, what would be your your dream result in 2024? Um, Yeah, I think in... uh, for this next season, I
2: think in the short term, try to, uh, yeah, be as competitive as possible in, the point pro and point one races I do, um, and see, see if I can still get some good results and hopefully a few wins in those. And then, uh, yeah, in the long term, I think my career dream races to win would be like, uh, uh, Flanders or Roubaix, I think is kind of what I've set out since I was a little kid as a dream race, but obviously, uh, yeah, it's easier said than done for sure. So, that's something that's a bit more of a long-term goal, but yeah, that's kind of the the dream I would say. We'll be right
1: back after this short break. Now back to our chat with Luke.
0: So up until this point, then what has been the most proud moment of your career?
2: Um, I would say for sure, this season, uh, kind of as a whole, honestly, like my my second year under 23, um, I felt like I was always kind of right there. Like I was always top five. Uh, I was always right in the mix, but never really converted it to, uh, to being able to win. And then this last season uh, after the winter of 2022, in 2023 kind of started out and then I was able to, in the springtime, uh, the whole spring until kind of baby Giro, right before nationals, I had a really good, uh, run of races, kind of being able to get a stage or a Jersey or something at almost every race I went to. And I think just that run, being able to convert, uh, kind of those top fives to be able to win at the 23 level was super good for me and the whole team at Trinity and kind of everyone buying into that would be kind of, uh, probably my most proud moment, probably baby Giro would be, I'd say, uh, my biggest win today with that kind of being, a equalish to Lavender now or similar kind of one of the bigger under 23 races in the world now and I think that was uh one of my most proud moments probably so far on the bike
1: um then maybe let's go to the other side of that what was the moment where you go oh I don't want to talk about this anymore <laughs> to break the ice a little yeah I was yeah. um, in the feed zone I was trying to grab a food bag for a friend he, he missed it At this one year, I was not ready to give it to me. I was just trying to help out, and I crashed in the feed zone. Nothing hurt, but so embarrassed, so embarrassed. I I still feel ashamed to death until today. So do you have any moments like that where you go, I actually don't want to tell you? No,
2: I'm trying to think of an embarrassing moment or something that I've I've done. I think I remember uh, my first my first year on Trinity, we did like a block of maybe eight or nine 1.1s in Belgium. And, uh, I was a first year under 23 came out of juniors. I didn't race much at the start of the year. We didn't really get racing until May or June because of COVID. And, uh, then went home, did nationals. We came back over in August. We were doing like the, all of the like Brussels classic and, uh, all of those in Belgium. And I remember there was a lot of like quick step was there and born a lot of the, uh, a lot of the pro teams were there, and when you're there with Trinity, Trinity was really new at the time, and uh, we showed up. I think we were, like, really the underdogs. I remember we were trying to get involved in the finals, and we came underneath, I think, uh, Quickstep or someone, and I remember them yelling at us, like, oh, you guys don't know how to use your brakes, and, like, screaming at us the rest of the race. Like, we were always the guys who got, like, punched to the very back of the peloton, just being, like, the sketchy guys in the group, just to try to get to the front. Like, for sure, we all were swinging on the limit, just trying to get to the front of... Uh, front of these races try to do something probably with like 20k to go you know like not even when i say in the final i'm not talking the last few corners for sure we are trying to get get involved before with 20k to go just to try to be up there at 10k to go or 5k to go or something but uh yeah i can't think of a moment that's uh that's something that's good. like that I'm keep it like that good one, but hopefully yeah hopefully give it away i'm sure there's something if i thought about it but yeah hopefully keep it like that for now mm-hmm <laughs>
0: that That brings yeah. up a, a a question to that I want to ask you, Yenzi. I know you know Luke, you had to like bust your way and earn the respect i mean that's the only way that you get the respect in the pro peloton, and a lot of the times you make stupid mistakes and older guys yell at you, you know maybe even crash you, uh make fun of you, whatever, but like you just have this will, this desire to to kind of find your place in the peloton. Yenzi, when you were racing, you know, before you were, you know, you were on those smaller teams, and you were doing some races against, you know, some bigger guys. Did you ever have uh, a little tussle, uh, a little tuss up with
1: with one of the older riders that you remember? Um, I remember like uh, one um, I had, <clears throat> but I was in my first year. I was still a neo pro. I raced with uh, in a race, um, and Andre Schmiel was next to me, former Paris Roubaix winner. He was a hard man, like a, like a stereotype Russian type person, and it was like fifty miles to go, and we were a bit of cross, with, not too serious, but uncomfortable. But fifty miles, forty miles to go, so not really a race decision. And he quacks me; I almost fell off in the gutter. I come back, I ride next to him, and I yell at him, "Jesus, I know you're a good rider, but don't be an idiot, don't be an asshole." I mean, if you, like, give me a little wink, i let you in. You fucking Andre schmiel. You're a world-class writer. But, fuck, don't be an asshole to me. And ever since, but, hey, Jens, hi, good morning. We were best, almost best friends <laughs> after that. So I just had to stand up one time for myself. It, like, not in an unfair way, but, like, just letting me yeah, you know, yeah. listen, I'm also here to earn my living. You cannot be, like, an asshole, right? And he understood, yeah, yeah. so it was good. But, um, yeah, I, I had uh, one of these moments, yeah. Oh, man. So,
0: Luke, you know, you're you're 21. You're much closer to that magic generation that we're seeing right now. And there's a lot of kids in the pipeline over here in the U.S. Um, Do you have any tips, uh, those do's and don'ts for that 15 to 19 year old kid that's that's racing over here in the States? I mean, you know, the challenges um, that you've had, you've turned into opportunities and you've learned to it, learn from that. And we call that experience but talking you're, you're so much closer to that generation. What would be some pieces of advice for the, the young, the young kids uh, listening and watching our, our podcast today?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it all, a lot of it I would say is as much as you can get over to Europe and race with those guys, the better off you are. A lot of the same guys I raced with when I was 15 and 16 doing cremesses in Belgium are the same guys that, uh, are now pro today that I'll be racing next year that I have raced in the last few years on development teams. And I think the sooner you start racing those guys, the, uh, the better off you are. Um, so the most you can do that is possible. And then I think also not getting caught up and taking it too serious. Actually, I think it is like, everyone is going pro really young and there's, you can read so much in so many articles about what the top guys are doing. You know, what does Pogachar do to win the tour? What does this guy do? Or what does that guy do? But at the end of the day, I think it still is the simple sport that it always has been, and you can still do it the same way. You know, it's still, uh, if you have fun and do your best, you're still going to get to where you're going to get. You know, if you're not doing absolutely everything, if, you, if you're if you 15 and you don't have to be doing 30 hours a week to uh, to turn pro at 22 or 21, you know, you don't have to go crazy. You can still enjoy it and go to the local race or do the local group rides. You don't have to go train on your own and do intervals every day, all day from, November first to September thirtieth. You know you don't have to, you don't have to do it uh, the hard man way. I guess when you're super young, you can still enjoy it, and then take it serious as you get older for sure. Um, and I think that's what probably what I would say uh, from kind of the way I've came up through the teams I've came through, and uh, yeah,
1: I like and it. And on the way to to get to your first contract, would you have any situation or any person you go? I could have never made it without that, parents, brother, friends, whatever your first coach or the person that gave you your first bike ever. Would you ever have a person go, man, I could not have done this without this person being there for me in, at that moment.
2: Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that, uh, that actually have kind of learned from, uh, over the time that yeah, I could go on kind of a list of people that I think that you wouldn't make it without. Like obviously my parents for sure, you would I wouldn't have ever been started. But uh yeah, I'd actually say uh Laura Charmeda, who ran Team Swift, is actually one of uh one of the people from who I started with super young and then had her as a mentor when I was uh from when I was ten to fifteen. And then Roy Nickman, who you mentioned in Lux, he was a really, really good mentor when we were juniors. Um and then after him we had Andrew McQuaid that Trinity kind of were like the three people that I always had like with questions or whatever that had done it or knew the answer or knew someone to point you in the right direction. And I think having always someone you can get a consistent answer from to point you in the right direction if they don't know the answer is uh, is super important just to have your questions answered, I guess. Um, and then all the guys that turned pro before me or whatever that were kind of my age, like having you kind of your colleagues in that group of guys around you, even though you race against them and they're on different teams, I'd say those are some of the most important people as well. Like the guys you train with every day and the guys you race against sometimes can also be your, your biggest help or something you learn from, you know, they say one thing to you and it sticks with you the rest of your, uh, the rest of your time, you know, you learn that one small thing on a four hour ride with them and then you never forget it. But um, yeah, just kind of having those mentors that can always give you a consistent answer. I, I love that. Um I definitely remember
0: picking up on those little those little sayings, those little mantras. And like, yeah, to this day. I mean it started with my dad who was my first coach, to Davis Finney, um, you know, just on and on throughout my career, somebody that says something so minimal, like off the cuff, kind of tends to be part of your overall philosophy. But I like what you said to the young kids about keeping keeping it simple, right? I mean, you know, eat well, sleep well, ride your bike. But now that you're moving into, you know, the pro tour, have you had to change anything specifically in your training to 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 deal with taking it up a step from the under-23s into the world tour?
2: I think for sure. I mean, as you get older, you can handle more load, more hours, and you do a bit more on camp. And then uh, you have like I said, you have more staff, you know, you have a lot more support. So I think having all of that and having more advice, you're able to do more just with those resources. Um, someone that really knows what they're doing, someone who looks a bit more detail into your training and all of that. But, um, I wouldn't say so far that I've changed. Like I haven't gone and redone my whole training program. I'm doing something completely different than I've done before, you know, like it's changed a bit and I have a new coach, but it's not, a it's not a monumental change you know i haven't completely fit my training 360 and all of a sudden i'm doing something completely different than i've always done my whole life um it's been pretty similar to what what i've always done which has always kind of been a pretty pretty simple program i've never been super complicated with training or never done anything uh, crazy especially in the winter time the first few months of training i'm not hitting the lap button all the time or anything like that i'm kind of uh, riding enjoying my time back in santa rosa and Sometimes you ride hard up a climb, and the climbs are steep, so you have to ride hard, or something like that, and you get in enough effort and kind of build the base. And uh, and then at camp we start to do more specific stuff with the other guys and all of that. But uh, yeah, it's I mean it doesn't need to be super super complicated, especially in November December before uh, before you can get to racing. So
1: um, some sprinters I know they do weightlifting in the gym. Especially in the in the off season, to build up more explosive uh, muscles. Have you ever tried that, or are you into that, or you go now? Nah, riding comes from riding.
2: Mostly, mostly riding. Um, I do a bit of body weight stuff and stretching and core and all of that, but um, not a whole lot of weightlifting or heavy weightlifting or anything like that. Um, very little actual weights. Mostly just body weight and mostly at home stuff that you can do at home and uh, core and all of that, but nothing nothing special in the gym.
0: So now that you you are in the world tour, you will be putting in more time on the bike. Uh, we talked about the training. I, I'm interested in like your recovery techniques. Like what are your favorite, what is your favorite way to recover other than obviously sleeping? I mean, you're on one of the biggest teams in the world right now. I'm sure they've got all the little gadgets and you're being exposed to all this new stuff. But what what are like your go-to for recovering after these long, uh, training rides or, or races?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, first and foremost, I'm a big sleeper. I always have been, uh, my whole life I've been a really good sleeper and I love sleeping. So sleep is always for sure the best way, like you mentioned, but, uh, yeah, with all those small things, kind of a simple stretching routine, um, that I have like super simple. I think for me, I keep it the shorter I keep it, the more likely I am to do it. Like the longer a stretching routine is. I'm less likely to actually do it if it's going to take me 30 minutes, but if it takes me 10 minutes, I'll do it every day. And then I'll be consistent with it. Um, and so kind of keeping it really short and sweet so where I actually do it. Cause I think if you try to set aside an hour or whatever, every day, then I don't end up actually doing it. So if I just set aside 10, 15 minutes to do it, then it gets done. And, uh, doing that. And then, uh, yeah, obviously like recovery boots, um, traveling with recovery socks or wearing recovery socks, all that kind of, all the small things. Everyone knows massage at races and camps obviously is a a big benefit. You notice a big difference there versus when you don't have that at home. And uh, yeah, kind of all those small things, for sure, you get more exposed to now that uh, the team's bigger and has more staff and more technology and research and all of that. So for sure, uh, yeah, slowly being exposed to more and more stuff.
0: And I'm sorry, Jens, I got one more follow-up question there. Um, do the European riders still make fun of American riders for stretching? I mean, I'm talking to this guy right here. He used to make fun of me for stretching. You know, my French teammates made fun of me for stretching. But that kind of was just an American thing like we did. But are they kind of, you know, coming over to the, to the stretching program side? Or are they still kind of like, what are you doing on the, on the floor in the middle of the, the hallway? when we're trying to walk to the food room?
2: No, I think it's, uh, it's definitely come more into the sport. Like now the team physios prescribe stretching and core Mm -hmm. stuff like now it's, uh, a bit of both and, uh, yeah, you see more and more guys stretching for sure. Um, you do see that with some of, some of the guys as well think like you're, uh, yeah, you shouldn't be stretching or whatever. And I've never been a big stretching guy, uh, kind of, that's why I said, I have to do my five, 10 minute routine and keep it super simple versus I don't sit there for 30 minutes and do stretching every day. But uh, yeah, I do like to do kind of my usual routine super quick and uh, just helps me feel kind of consistent. I guess I'd say like when I get on the bike, my saddle height and all of that feels consistent. I felt like when I didn't do it, sometimes I feel a bit more inconsistent on the bike uh, with fit and stuff, whether it's only for the first hour or a whole ride, but sometimes it uh, just that little bit of stretching routine keeps consistency, especially with the amount of days you travel and fly to race the day before race and fly home the day after
1: or whatever. It keeps it consistent. And if we take a long, long jump into the future, um, five years from now, we have, no, four years, almost no. We have the Olympics in your home country, in your home state. Has that ever crossed your mind? I mean, in theory, you will be at your prime age of cycling, right? At that time. Has that ever come into your future plans? Or you go, nah, that's way too far ahead. Let's survive the next year first.
2: I mean, for sure, take it step by step and do the next few years. But uh, yeah, I've definitely thought about it. I mean, I'd love to do the LA Olympics, I think. Yeah, home doing Olympics, period, uh, anywhere is massive. And then to do it uh, in your home country, in your home state only, so close to home for me, would be, yeah, a dream come true. There's no real better place to do it than... Uh, I think in your home country. So for sure, that would be an absolute dream. And I think for, yeah, I think it'll be a big year for a lot of the U.S. guys. There's a lot of guys who are around my age who will be kind of in their prime then and want to do Olympics in the U.S. So I think it'll be a super competitive, uh, competitive fight for that Olympics, but also super cool because I think we'll have a really strong team, uh, hopefully at that Olympics as Americans, which will show U.S. cycling, which is also really cool. So uh, yeah, very, very excited for that.
0: Well, what about, I mean, it's an Olympic year this year. Uh, is that at all, um, a possibility for you or has that team kind of been like automatically, you know, pre-selected already?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, for sure, I would love to, uh, if the opportunity kind of arose to do it, um, in Paris, of course, is actually looking at the profile. It's hard to say a race before you do it, but, uh, looking at the profile, it's quite good for me, but, uh yeah there's also a lot of really good guys now um Americans who are kind of fighting for that spot so it's a, a big pool of guys who are um going for those going for those spots but we do have 4 which is more than the past Olympics we had 2 so there is a few more spots so uh yeah I'd love to be a part of that selection for sure.
1: And um now that you um with a quick step you have a new bike um you went through bike fitting you went through some wind tunnel or you did some testing on a bike track to check your position wider handlebars small handlebars these sort of things you or you more or less told them listen i'm happy with some position just don't touch it
2: Yeah. So i came from specialized well the last few years so i kept a very similar position on the road bike um i switched pedals and that was about it but kept the same saddle same bars uh Everything like that was really similar, some small tweaks to the saddle because of the cleat change. But uh, other than that, the road bike stayed pretty much the same, Um, but the TT bike, we went to the track in Valencia during December camp and completely changed the position and uh, redid the TT bike. And it's something that I've never been super into uh, time trials, but I've always, uh, yeah, I've never put a lot of time in on the TT bike or anything like that, but now went to the track and put in a bit of time getting the position a day getting a position ride and uh to where you can actually put out power on it because the problem is i always do it on the trainer and get a fit and then when i actually go to ride it hard it feels a lot different so actually doing it on the track at power has been uh has been good so now i have a good position on the tt bike as well and yeah i look forward to actually training on it a bit and racing a bit more on the tt bike this year to uh yeah, to get that going so the road bike's the same but the tt bike completely different
0: yeah, that was that was always the tricky part when you got to those training camps is, you know, seeing that that time trial bike for the first time and either loving it or hating it. And, uh, you know, we had a director on CSC who was just like, you know, very, very low and long. And that didn't work for a lot of people, you know, because to your point, you can put out that sort of power in a stationary position. But can you hold that position over a long time? Um yeah. The time trial bike was always the the coolest gift or the big thing that I looked at. Um, what has it been for, for you going to, I, like I said before, you've been very well supported over the years, but is there something that, you know, was in that box of goodies, that suitcase, that mountain of, of clothing that you got where you're like, yeah, this is my, my favorite little piece of clothing or, or gadget.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I mean, the bikes are pretty similar. Luckily on Trinity, we had really, really good support as well with everything. But, uh, yeah, I think the amount of kit that we have now, just the the mass of kit from, uh, we're constantly now, but the amount of different stuff and the amount of kit is, uh, is the biggest thing that I would just say it's, yeah, it's quite, quite different from, uh, from the past. So just, I'd say the amount more than the small pieces, like there is four different types of regular jerseys, four different types of gobblas, four different types of everything, but just the amount as well as uh, yeah, very surprising
1: Luke thanks a million for giving us so much time in your training camp we let you go to rest maybe do some stretching as we talked about and rest up sleep well and good luck for the season thanks again for being our guest and hopefully end of the season we have you back as a guest yeah thank you guys very much for having me on well that's all our time for this week huge thanks to Luke for being our
0: guest. Thank you everyone for listening. Please don't forget to give us a five-star review and share
1: us with your friends. The show was a Velo production in association with Shock Giraffe. This episode was produced and edited by Mark Payne.
0: Remember to check out the video version of this podcast by heading over to the Outside Watch YouTube channel. Get in touch with us on Twitter, Instagram, threads, and Facebook, just head to at Bobby and Jens and give us a follow. And this week, we would like to know, have you ever done a favor for a friend that you instantly regretted?